Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you, no matter where you are on your journey towards Christ. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitmiles.com. Thanks for listening. Well, so glad to be here with you today to worship. Glad that you, you made it on this uh, new day or new year, first day of the year. If you're a guest here this morning, we are so glad that you're here. If you're uh, here for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, welcome. There is a connection card in the seat back in front of you. If you would fill that out, if you could put that in the offering uh, boxes as you leave this morning, you could uh, send, uh, put that in, uh, take that to the Connection Center as well. That will help us. That's a great place to update your information as well. If you have a praise, indicate that on the back of the card. If you have a prayer request, I encourage you uh, to make note of that. We continue to pray for uh, those, those special requests that come in. People are praying for those. Uh, this morning, uh, Pastor Chuck is going to come. He's going to lead us in worship. We're starting uh, a worship through, through the Word. Uh, we're starting a new series today entitled Walking It Out. And as uh, Pastor Chuck and I have talked about this, we, we're excited about what God is doing. What is interesting, in the first service, um, unrehearsed by both of us, I preached um, uh, the first part of his message, and I'm not going to do that. Um, but the things that I was saying, we've talked about this, it's resonating in our hearts, are the things that he shared, and I'm going to let him share that. But I'm excited about the opportunities we have together to grow in our faith, to walk it out. Had somebody after the first service say to me, um, I'm grateful for that truth that is just, I, I, can, I can get my hands around it, but it's not, it's not wishy-washy. It's just, it's solid biblical truth. And he looked at me, um, a, 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 a big, strong man, and he looked at me and he said, I wouldn't be coming here if, if I was just getting, um, you know, wishy-washy kind of truth. I'm glad you guys preached the word. And so this is a, an opportunity in these next weeks um, to walk it out. Um, would you take a minute and let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time in the Word now. Be with Pastor Chuck as he leads us through this Word. Anoint his lips and our ears. Lord, there's a miracle that happens in preaching. Your Word doesn't return void. You use human people to communicate a divine message. And Lord, the Word is truth, and that's good seed. I pray that it would fall in, in, in soil that has been tilled and is ready, not rocky, not thorny, not hard soil, but Lord, would you open, would you just help us right now to have our eyes see and our ears hear and our hearts receive what you're saying to us and that you would produce fruit in our lives because we have heard and responded to your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I've outsung myself out of a voice during that <clears throat> Battle Belongs song. Um, can I also just say this? Um, looking around during that song, many of you touched my heart, knowing what maybe some of you were thinking about or facing or some of the challenges, and you had your hands out anyway. It's good. You touched my heart. He is the, he is the God who fights our battles. Keep doing it. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. 
Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Chuck, as Dan mentioned. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you to Summit Church. Uh, whether this is your first time here or your first time in a long time here, or whether you've been here since the dawn of time, um, welcome. Whether this is a reminder for you or the first time you've heard it, these are some things you need to know. Here at Summit Church, we believe that there is one God who is holy. He created us and He loved us, but because of our sin, we were separated from Him, deserving of death. But He made a way for us to live through the life, the death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. We believe that those who recognize and repent of their sin and believe Jesus to be the Son of God will be saved to new life with God and in eternity in heaven. We believe the church is not a building, but it is a people. It is a group of people that have trusted in Jesus and they have been brought together through the commonality and unity that they have in Christ. As a family now, brothers and sisters, we have been unified with a purpose. Together we live out that new life that has been afforded to us in Christ according to God's Word, the Bible. It teaches us how to live. It trains us in righteousness. It is the authority in all things. We believe that God's Spirit resides in those of us who believe in Jesus, and, he, and His Spirit works in tandem with and through the Word of God to make us holy and to set us apart, to be more like Jesus. We believe that Jesus is coming back again. He's going to make all things right. He's going to make all things good, and He's going to take His church back to live with Him forever in heaven. In the meantime, we live purposefully, and we wait expectantly, and we share this good news of Jesus intentionally. So here at Summit Church, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find imperfect people who are following a perfect Savior, who are being transformed and are leading people to follow Christ. I think it's fair that you know that. It's a good place to start um, as we move ahead together uh, this year. This year is now 2023. Pastor Bradley mentioned last week that he was just getting used to writing the number's 22 at the end of his 20s, and now he has to switch it over to 2023. As always, it is hard to believe that we're walking into a new calendar year. Um, it is the time where people think about new beginnings and goals and resolutions. So I wonder if you, if you think back to uh, this last year, did you have any goals? Did you have anything that you worked on, any re resolutions or something that you put in front of yourself? I had a couple things that I had wanted to work on, I desired to work on. I put two things out in front of me. One, uh, I made a goal of reading a book a month. So while I enjoy reading, I know it's good for me. I don't always follow through on those things, and I need to. And so I made a, a goal of reading a book a month. I also made scripture memory a weekly uh, priority, or I wanted to make it a weekly priority. And so those are the two goals that I put out in front of myself. I started strong with reading, really strong through the first part of the year. That last quarter of the year, I kind of tapered off a little bit, but I still ended up reading nine books, and so I'm very happy with that. I want to continue in that and, and put that out in front of me again this next year. Um, the other goal I mentioned was scripture memory. I believe, this is, you need to know this, I believe that God's Word, that God uses His Word in ways that I can't manufacture on my own when I take the time to hide it in my heart. And so with a couple of young men that I meet with weekly, we would focus on a chapter of Scripture that we were reading through, and then we would pick one verse at the end of that chapter that we would memorize and then prepare to speak to each other the following week when we met. Um, we did that all year. And while I wouldn't be able to stand here and give you 52 chapter and verse references perfectly along with the quoted Scriptures, I can speak through more of God's Word now than I have before. 
And while it's not about uh, an intellectual word spill, I began to see something happen in my life. God began to connect some spiritual dots for me from scriptures from different passages, and all of a sudden, I could more readily support the things that I had already believed. I would find myself breathing out scripture in the middle of a prayer that God would appropriate in that context, or he would give me a word for somebody um, in a conversation that would, that would go to encourage or to convict that person. I started to experience the very thing that our kids' directors work so hard at with our kids that they would work on putting Scripture in their minds, and God started to take that and put it into my heart and use that in my everyday. I suddenly found myself more able to walk out my faith, the set of beliefs that I had. I had more to be Christian with, as Dan Miller would say. There was a richness and a blessing of God's presence that I would experience in those moments. I grew in my faith this year. Do you want to grow in your faith? As we move into the new year, as we think about resolutions and new goals, amidst all of that, amidst the temptation of monotony that you are still going to face every day, are you ready to walk it out, to move beyond stagnancy? Do you want to grow in your faith? Experiencing the presence of God in a new in a holy way? Do you want to witness authentic demonstrations of His Spirit in your life and the lives of those around you? I do. I desperately do. Even when that scares me a little bit, I do. This Walk It Out series is a way for us to start out the year putting ourselves in a position to do and to see great things. This year, we want to see God moving among us in new ways, but that is going to take some ownership on our part. It's going to take some ownership. We need to be taking willing steps of obedience and faith outside of our comfort zone. There are many opportunities that you are going to have over this next year to grow. Together, we want to grow, and I want to encourage you to jump at those opportunities when those things are presented to you. Pastor Dan has mentioned Grow 23. This is an all-church four-night gathering where we're going to be worshiping and teaching centered on living according to the Spirit. Summit Women's Conference is something you're going to hear more about. It's coming here soon. You'll hear more about that opportunity in a few weeks. Our students are headed to Big Chill in just over a month where they gather with other church youth groups from our tribe and beyond in the missionary church. We are currently working on a, a reading and a devotional plan to help prepare our hearts and ready us for Easter. These are just a few of the things that are going to be available to you this year to walk out your faith. This is something we truly and strongly desire as we move forward in 2023, that God would move in powerful ways among His people here at Summit. But as we begin today, with that in mind, as we begin this year looking out at those goals— Ephesians 3 has been coming to my mind a lot lately. Paul records this masterful and this beautiful prayer for the believers in Ephesus. I want to read this over you today. I want to pray this over you today. I want this to be my prayer. Maybe it would become yours this year as you consider our church family, what God would do among us. So would you close your eyes? I want you to simply listen to this prayer. Again, maybe make this your own plea for God to move among us this year as we Learn to walk out our faith that God would do incredible things. 
Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Lord, that is our prayer today and this year. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's get to work. You ready to go to work? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to James chapter 2. That's going to be our main scripture today as we consider what it is to walk out our faith. James chapter 2. This is verses 14 through 26. I don't have this on the screen for you, but you should be able to find a Bible maybe in front of you, or maybe you brought your Bible. You can open up your phone. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is the word of the Lord for us today. How many of you have heard of Rich Mullins? You guys know Rich Mullins? Yes, many of you. Christian artist who's popular in the 80s and 90s. Uh, much of our worship music that we've had in the past. Unfortunately, he, he passed away in 1997. Most of you would recognize many of his songs. One of his maybe lesser-known songs, which is actually my favorite, was called Screen Door. Screen Door. I know some of you already have recognized this song. I want to play just a short snippet of this song for you here um, and listen to the words speaking about faith. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Faith without works, baby. 
It just ain't happening. One is your left hand, one is your right. It'll take two strong arms mm-hmm, to hold on tight. Some folks are cut off the nose just to spite their face. I think you need some words to show. For your alleged faith, well, there's a difference, you know, between having faith and playing make believe. One will make you grow, the other one just make you sleep. Talk about it. But I really think you ought to take a leap off of the ship before you claim to walk on water. Faith without words, like a song you can't sing. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Faith comes from God, from every... All right, Faith Without Works, that catchy chorus. Faith Without Works is like a song you can't sing. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. What a picture. Mr. Mullins put together a short, fun, a cappella song that is filled with truth. It is rich in truth, and that creative hyperbole captures well this picture of faith that is rendered void when not accompanied by works. He and James reminding us to turn your belief into actions, for the things you do are evidences of the things you believe, or at least they should be. Back in November, we talked about choosing faith. We looked at Jairus, the synagogue ruler with a sick daughter. We looked at the woman who had a gynecological issue. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Both of them believed that Jesus could make a difference. And that belief then drove them to physically get before Jesus. One of them in an, in a, in an ashamed way she was hiding. One of them in an, in an embarrassed way. Nevertheless, they got before Jesus, putting themselves in a position to experience His presence in a powerful way. They didn't just believe it and then stand back hoping for something to happen. They believed and it motivated their movement. And Jesus rewarded their faith. James here, what we just read, gives us two further examples of actions motivated by belief. Rahab, housing the Israelite spies, despite being a Canaanite prostitute from Jericho, she feared the God of the Israelites, and she put her faith into action by putting herself at risk to protect them, and God rewarded and saved her. Let's look at Abraham, the other example that James gives us. This is a little bit of a longer story here, but Abraham had received a promise from God. That was a covenant agreement where God promised to make Abram into a great nation. They would be set apart, God's special possession, and that through him, this family line, all nations and people would be blessed. Well, this is all well and good. But Abram was old, and so was his wife Sarai, and she had yet to become pregnant. And so attempting to do God's work for him, they thought they might start this family line rolling. And so Abram slept with Sarai's servant, Hagar. She got pregnant, and this caused all sorts of issues, obviously. Sarai ended up despising Hagar, and she sent her away, despite the fact that it was her idea in the first place. Now, God came, and he comforted Hagar, and he blessed her coming son, Ishmael, but because this wasn't God's plan, Ishmael would be quote, a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. If you want to know why there is continual unrest in the Middle East, you can trace it back to that promise right there in Genesis 16. 
God was very clear that Ishmael was not the fulfillment of the covenant that he had established. So let's stop here long enough to acknowledge that this is the wrong way to live out your faith, to walk out your faith. There are things that we ought to do, and we'll talk about that, but attempting to do God's work for him by taking matters into your own hands to enact divine movement in some way isn't one of them. I've often wondered that if this next part of the story, what God asks Abraham to do, never may have been if if Abraham would have practiced his faith correctly the first time. The first time, all he had to do was wait for his wife to get pregnant. The second time, it became much more difficult. Regardless, back to the story, despite the rough start to Abram's faith, Sarai indeed did get pregnant at the age of 90, and she bore a son then to Isaac. And Isaac is born to Abram. God changes Abram's name, and he reminds him that through Isaac, as he said before, he would become a great nation, and a blessing would come to all people. But then he asks Abraham to do the unthinkable, to travel to the region of Moriah and sacrifice his son, the one he loves, his only son he makes a note of, as an offering. It's recorded in the scripture that Abraham packed up and went. As difficult as it may have been, he obeyed. He traveled to the mountain, placed Isaac on the altar, and in obedience had the knife in hand when God stopped him and provided a sacrificial ram to be used in Isaac's stead. That's called living out your faith all the way to the edge. The angel of the Lord then calls out, God speaks, he praises Abraham saying, I know now that you fear God and surely my promise to you will be fulfilled. So we now know that from Isaac would come Jacob, whom God would give the name Israel, the Israelites, and from Israel, Judah, and from the tribe of Judah, King David, and down the line we go until we meet our Savior, Jesus, all starting back here with Isaac. The Messiah, Jesus, through whom all nations would be blessed indeed. So the point here, as James brings this messianic story to our attention in this conversation about faith and works, he says, You who, you foolish person, belief without actions is useless. None of this would have been. Verse 21, he says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend, nonetheless. No, no, no less. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And again in verse 26, as with the body without as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I want to pause here briefly. So a tie back to our, our message about choosing faith in November. We mentioned that both the synagogue ruler and the woman who had been bleeding, they had imperfect faith. It was imperfect. Remember the woman she was trying to hide? yet God still rewarded her for her imperfect faith. Abraham is talked about here as one who is considered righteous because of what he did. This was after he went and slept with his wife's mistress. Abraham's faith was also imperfect. May that encourage you this morning. I don't have perfect faith, but I serve the perfecter of my faith. 
Now, it may seem here, at first glance, maybe that James's teaching is a bit at odds with Paul's when it comes to our faith and salvation. James is seeming to say that we're considered righteous by what we do. But in Acts 16.31, Paul clearly states, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So which is it? Is our salvation by works or is it through faith? Is it through faith and works? While it may seem at first glance that James is teaching something contradictory, in reality, he is flawlessly connecting the Spirit-filled life to our belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. James's call here is, is not to work for your salvation, but to work out your salvation. What he is driving at in this passage is that your faith is empty. It has no substance to it if it has not compelled you to move in purposeful ways. If you really have been saved, that reality should be evidenced in how you live your life, and others should be able to take note of it, not just in withholding yourself from bad things, which is, I think is where many of us stop, but actively pursuing the presence of God through different manners of discipline and service. That's the piece that we need to work on. In fact, if we jump back to Paul in Ephesians 2, the very next verse to what we read says this in verse 10. It says, we are God's handiwork. So we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, but we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The imperative here from James is that your faith cannot be a stagnant one. You have a part to play, a responsibility to respond to the great salvation that you have received. Post-salvation, we are not on cruise control until Christ returns. Rather, we are to put our money where our mouth is, faithfully living out the confession that we have made to trade our dreams for his glory. We exchange Christ's life for our own. So on one hand, we receive his new life and that, that, that earns for us eternity and a relationship with God. But that also means that we give away what we want to do and we live the life now that Christ has earned and won for us. In reality, it is too easy for us to let our beliefs about God and His Word become simply intellectual rather than influential. All of you have exercised faith this morning in our chairs. You have moved from an intellectual belief, this chair can hold me, to an influential one. You all sat down. There are too many Christians who have a Christian faith. They have a set of beliefs that is important to them. They love standing for the Word of God, claiming its truth, but that's about all they do. They stand for it rather than on it. They believe that God's Word is true, but they don't really live according to it unless it's convenient. James says that's no faith at all. Listen, truth is truth. It ain't ever going to change, but what you actually believe about that truth is often revealed by what you do. I think about it this way. It's like having a brand new zero turn 
in your garage. That thing is prim and perfect. It's a John Deere, obviously. You know what that thing can do. It's the best grass cutter on the planet. It's got a self-leveling deck, rocket boosters. You wash it. You polish it. You talk about it with your friends. This is the top-of-the-line model. You even sit on the seat on Sundays. But do you ever take it out and mow during the week? Have you ever gotten any mud on the tires or a grass stain? Does it have a dent from where you ran into the garage? Have you had to grease the bearings? Have you experienced it for yourself? Humor me for a minute. Another example of this. A couple years ago, um, a couple of those men, those young men that I had mentioned earlier, invited me to go with them off-roading at Silver Lake Sand Dunes. Now, we're all truck dudes, right? We like Jeeps and 4x4s and wrenching on stuff, you know? So Connor and Elliot, they had been there before. They have done these things. They beat the tar out of their vehicles. Uh, but I had never actually done anything quite like that. Now, I believed that my truck could do stuff. Big 4x4 truck. I had even talked it up. I had built up the axles, beefed it up. But my truck can do the things. But I had never actually experienced that for myself. And too often, I think this is how we treat our faith, as something we can talk about but don't really know about because we haven't put ourselves in a position to experience it firsthand. We haven't walked it out. I wanted to go, but I was nervous. I thought I might break something. I thought I might make a fool of myself and get stuck. That's not me, by the way. All of, all of those things were a possibility, and a few of them might have happened. But if I wouldn't have gone, all right, I can't throw him under the bus too much. I will say that they did get stuck a couple times, but that was because they were willing to go places I wasn't willing to go. But we were there for each other. If I wouldn't have gone, I would have missed out on new thrills and experiences that I got to have with those guys. It was a blast. It was totally worth the learning and the relationships because I was willing to put myself in a position to experience it firsthand. In the same way, our faith cannot simply be an empty set of ideas or theories that we ascribe to. We must be willing to get in the game, even if it means learning something new or taking a few hits. talked with a couple after first service, and we talked about this idea a little bit of being willing to go out there and, and receive a few hits and to walk out your faith. That's, that's part of it. Jesus actually talks about that, that we're going to face challenges and persecution and troubles. And again, as Pastor Dan says, we're going to have a limp or two. That's part of it. If we're not limping, there's something wrong. We must be willing to get in the game. And if, I'm trying not to maybe get too far ahead in our series as we talk about community, walking out our faith. You are not called to do this alone. Walking out our faith is a lot more fun, it's manageable, and you will get farther when you are with other believers. Encouraging one another, pulling you up when you get stuck in the mud hole, saying, hey, come with me, let's do this trail for a while, let's work together. Now, I just started to touch on this, but inevitably there are 
challenges to walking out our faith. We talked about the imperative. We must walk out our faith. But there are challenges to walking out our faith. Stating the obvious, our human nature. We have to start there. Our flesh is one that is broken. We are always fighting it. The suckage is downward. You've heard that before. Left to ourselves, we got problems. Our natural state is not to move forward. Our propensity is backwards, and so our fight is going to be upstream. It always will be. Again, good news, the Spirit helps us in that. But under that umbrella, though, let me identify some challenges that we face in walking out our faith. There are many things, but to just to mention a few this morning. Ignorance. Whether the fault of those who have attempted to disciple us or never being taught what it looks like to follow Christ, in our ignorance, we just don't know what walking out our faith looks like. I think ignorance is, is one of the challenges to walking out our faith. I think fear, I mentioned this already. We fear we may make a fool of ourselves in front of others, or we mess up somehow, be unable to move forward, or feel like we can't please God. We feel like we might be out there, not sure how things are going to go, and that holds us back. Fear. I think another challenge that holds us back from walking out our faith is gratification. You understand this. In our world of now, the things in front of us always seem more appealing than what we have to wait for. That's where Amazon Prime will get you. Even though we believe that a different investment over a longer time would be better, we choose instant gratification. That's a hard one for me. Another challenge to walking out our faith is sin. Seems pretty obvious, but a major roadblock to growing in your faith is sin. So the reality for you may be that walking out your faith means walking away from sin and other hindrances in your life that are keeping you from experiencing the presence of God. Confession and repentance are two massive disciplines that I think, as a general rule, the evangelical church is missing out on. Sin is a major roadblock in growing in our faith. And then control. Control. Abraham struggled with control. He believed God, but maybe not enough to be really confident that God didn't need his help. And so he attempted to take control and caused all sorts of problems. Giving up alleged control in our life is extremely difficult for us. Because for the most part, we live pretty cushy lives. Compared to the world around us. Compared to what other Christians are facing in other nations. As Christians in America, we still are in control of our lives. We can still make things happen and provide and protect ourselves. The idea of giving up control, totally surrendering to what God might ask of you, being fully dependent on Him is foreign and icky to us. It's a hard one. Too many times we're peering at the hill of surrender, wondering what's just on the other side that God might have for us. We stand on the truth of God's word in theory and we believe it, but we reject embracing it for the implications that it may have for our lives of what God might ask us to sacrifice. Please understand that as I talk through these things, these are things that I struggle with. 
while I long for intimacy with God the Father, walking out my faith to gain a deep and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my flesh gets in the way. I believe with all my heart that when I truly surrender to him, when I make his agenda my agenda, he has great things for me, fulfillment and blessing beyond what I could make up or manufacture on my own. Yet I still struggle to abandon the things I think will deliver me satisfaction in the now. And so my priorities stay jumbled. Walking on our faith is difficult because it's easier to live in ignorance or to bow to fear or to gratify self, to continue in sin or to hold on to control. But, but, what I have found is that the way of ease is always less fulfilling than the one that requires effort. The way of ease is always less fulfilling than the one that requires effort. There's a Christian uh, children's book called Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. I think it's what it's called. It's a, a kid's version, essentially, of Pilgrim's Process. We're reading this with our girls currently at home. And as Christian heads toward the celestial city, Goodwill points him down the straight and the narrow path. And Christian asks, so I can't get lost. It's straight and narrow. And Goodwill answers, the path is clear, but many other paths cross it, and they are wide and crooked, and they can lead you in the wrong way. And he says this, he says, the right path is obvious, but it isn't always easiest. There is fulfillment in walking out your faith, even though it requires more effort. An example of this, I know that actively engaging my kids is a worthy investment that offers a great return, even when it isn't perfect. And I faced this earlier this week. I had two options on Tuesday evening near the end of the day. We were at home. It would have been easier for me to continue sitting where I was sitting in my chair, and the temptation was to pull my phone out of my pocket and stare at a screen and leave my children to play on the floor as I scrolled. It would have been easier to do that, and that was the temptation. It required way more effort for me to get up and get snow stuff on, to go outside and be cold and then be hot, and then to be sore the next day and have water all over the garage floor from the melted snow. Way more effort for that part. But you can assume which of those things resulted in laughter and memories with my girls and an experience that filled my heart with blessing. In the same way, Church, there is blessing and fulfillment. There is a richness to be had for those who put their faith into practice, for those who walk it out and don't just ascribe to a set of beliefs, but do something about it. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Not only... Are we seeing a working relationship here between belief and action, but also that reward comes when faith, belief in action, is walked out? You remember back to Ephesians 3, the prayer that we read earlier in verse 16 and 17. There is a handshake between being strengthened by the Spirit out of His glorious riches and Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. 
There is a handshake there between those two things. We walk out our faith through action. Christ dwells in our hearts. And as a result, we are strengthened and enriched by God's Spirit. Paul goes on, praying that they would be rooted and established in love, that they may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What believer doesn't want that experience? Are you reading that? Can you imagine describing someone in that way or someone describing you in that way? Hey, tell me about that guy. Oh, John? John has a strength in him that could only come from God's Spirit and Christ is evident in his life. John is rooted. He's established in love. And he has power along with his church family to grasp the width and the depth of the love of Christ. John knows that love that surpasses knowledge and he is filled to the measure all the fullness of God. Put your name in there. Is this the experience of God that you wish to have? Then you must walk out your faith. The natural question here as we turn towards the end of our time, how do we walk out our faith? We started with the imperative from James to walk out our faith. We regarded the challenges to walking out our faith. We considered the fulfillment of walking out our faith. But how? How do we walk out our faith? Over the next five weeks, we will explore that question by considering Christ. He is the object of our faith. He is the author of our faith. He is the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. So as Christ walked the earth in all of his humanness, what were the things that he practiced? What were the principles that he put into motion? If Jesus fasted and prayed, if he shared his love with others as a way to live out his faith, should we think ourselves exempt somehow? Shouldn't we also do those things, emulating our Savior? We must walk out our faith. So over the next five weeks, that's where we are headed. As far as today, what step can you take to walk out your faith? Let's keep it simple. As you think back on the last year, starting where we began today, on this upcoming one, where would you desire to see yourself further along in your faith than you were last year? Better yet, where would God desire to see you further along in your faith than you were last year? Would you like to have a better understanding of Scripture? Would you like to learn how to pray? Would you like to be able to talk with a stranger or a friend about what God has done for you? Maybe start there. Identify something. And as our team comes and we sing our last song, would you ask God to help you walk out your faith this year, remembering that it is Christ in us, His Spirit, that guides us forward in those ways. As we close today, I want to be, I want to be clear. Walking out our faith has nothing to do with earning our salvation. It has everything to do with affirming our salvation. 
Salvation is a gift of God that we receive in exchange for the life of Jesus. And it is within that new life that we make ourselves available then to God's Spirit, positioning ourselves to experience His presence and to do the things that He is calling us to do. Galatians 6, verse 7, says, A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, a farmer has no power to make his crops grow. He has no power to make his crops grow. He can condition the soil. He can sow the seed. He can create an environment that is healthy and nurturing. He can remove weeds. But he has no power to make things grow. God does that. God does that. The same is true for our faith, friends. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says this. He says, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves so that he can transform. When we genuinely believe that inner transformation is God's work and not ours, then we can put to rest our passion to set ourselves straight and let God do the work. Walking out your faith means putting yourself in a position to experience God's presence, training your ears to hear his voice. Would you come with us this year? Would you come with us this year as we walk out our faith, as we invite God to work among us here at Summit Church? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the time that we've had together this morning to give you praise and worship that is due your holy name for all that you are and for all that you have done. God, you are worthy of our praise. You have given us new life through the gift of your son Jesus, his death, his life, his resurrection. God, help us as we have made that confession that we are giving up our life for the one that he offers to us. God, help us to live that confession out by the steps that we take in our faith. God, we need you to pick up our right foot and move it forward. We need you to pick up our left foot and move it forward. We need you to remind us that you've already done the work. And that burden that we carry, no matter how, how dirty we are, the, the, the scratches and the limps that we have, because of your Son, you see us as righteous and holy, and you are moving us forward by the power of your Spirit. God, we want our posture, we want our attitude our hearts to be in a place this year where we are, we are making ourselves available to you. God, I was reminded by a friend last week that it's that a salvation, we get all the Spirit. But God, we want to be in a place where we're giving all of us then to the Spirit. 
that all of you would have all of us. God, we're going to need your help this year to take steps of faith and obedience. To willingly lay some sin aside. To to willingly put ourselves out in front of other people and, and practice our faith. Not for our own merit, but for your glory. Knowing that it's for our good. God, help us. Help us help one another. God, as a church, may we be vulnerable. May we encourage one another. May we, uh, may we meet together. Share the, the, those places of our lives where you're, where you're doing good things. Even though it may seem small to us, it may seem big to someone else and encourage them. God, may we be willing to repent and to confess of our sin to one another and have someone throw us a toe strap, for goodness sake. God, we want you to move among us. That is our plea, that we would be rooted and established in love and filled to the fullness, the measure of all that you are. God, we know that you're good for it. Help us respond in faith and obedience. By your grace, we'll do what you ask us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world. Thank you.